0: Come ready. You can feel that. Not always the case, but it seems like um, there's a anticipation. Of course, we're glad to have Brother John with us. He looks good as usual. Um, he'll be here today and at the land, back at the land tomorrow, and then he'll be back here for a week or so. And Jason is here. Nice to have. Him. Want to introduce your guests, John, John? Horner. John Horner. Okay. Welcome. Yeah. Kyle <laughs> and Beth. Yeah. You, you guys came down. Everybody came down river this morning. Yeah. Not you. <laughs> you guys did though. This day, this day was right. Okay. effort to get here. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, we look to you for this day. Don't want to mess it up here. Lord, uh, we do ask, Father, that, that our 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 methods and our traditions would not interfere today with what you have for us. We look to you, Lord, with expectation in our hearts, Father, that you would touch and meet needs, Lord, according to your purpose, and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's gather.
1: to us because we don't have a contract with him. We have a covenant that he's extended to us. So a contract is between two or more and they commit to putting what they have into the successful completion of whatever they've agreed to do. But a covenant is the commitment of themselves to the successful completion of the purpose of the covenant being made. And God has fully invested himself in the extension of the covenant that he has made to you and that you began to sign when you were born again. He was already functional in that covenant because he signed it and funded it before he extended it to me. So everything that I will ever have or receive of God has already been extended to me. Uh, There's nothing more that God is seeking to accomplish that he hasn't already committed himself to and invested himself in. And uh, that covenant essentially is an expression of himself. So what he is. And you can see through uh, little snapshots that we get in scripture, the development of this concept you get, the expression of God to Abraham. And uh, he started with something that he felt like Abraham could hold on to, and then went to something that he knew he had no idea what he was talking about. And then Abraham proved it. He said, I'm your shield. He was speaking to a Syrian, by the way, you know that? Abraham was not a Jew. Pagan, heathen, Assyrian. I don't know what those guys are doing over in the Middle East. You know, have you thought about it at all? It's been in the news recently. And then the fundamental Christians is like, could you be crazier? No, God gave them that sand as an inheritance, perpetuity. If you want to be God's friend, you better be Israel's friend. You know, Abraham was led by God from Ur of the Chaldees to the region that they're contesting. He got there, and he looked, and he said, I'm not building a house here. This, this can't be my inheritance., this is, it, it's, you know, the grass was greener where I came from. I'm looking for something more than this. And then, if you read further on in the book, Leaving Genesis, going to Revelation, you find out that Jerusalem, that now is, you know what God calls that city? You know, we can, we can get all wrapped up. Yeah. We can get all wrapped up in, in this, and, and we could have someone come up that has a nice baritone voice and sing Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you know. <laughs> God calls it Sodom and Egypt. It's not Jerusalem. It it never was Jerusalem. It was a foreshadowing of something that hadn't yet appeared. They're fighting over it. It's insane. I saw a picture, and then I'm gonna shut up, I'll I'll leave the current events thing, I don't normally do this. I saw a picture of a young lady in one of our fine institutions of higher learning, and apparently she had Palestinian heritage, and in the carnage, perpetrated by the invasion and the dismembered bodies and deaths that it left in their wake. Her description of that was beautiful. I, I just I can't. I, I just I, I mean there are things that I don't understand, but that has to go in the column too. You know, I get that It's real. Is a terrorist state. I get that they're a one way street. And I get that they believe they have God as the foundation for their attitudes. But he's, there's no evidence of Him in their attitude. And the B attitudes, toward the end, it says, If you do these things, if you bless those that curse you, if you pray for those that use you despitefully, if you, then you'll be the children of your father who is in heaven. And you know, it it took a while for me to realize that it isn't in doing that that you prove that you're, you know, that you become one of his children. You do those things, you prove that you are of God. And that God has sourced what it is that you are because this is how you act. It's not, you know, it's not a reaction. It's not somebody smacks you in the face. You go, give me a couple days to pray and I'll forgive you and I'll come back and you can hit me again. This is just, this is what is there. Jesus, Jesus, Had his difficulties living among the Jews. He was the physical manifestation of the promises of God to a nation. He was Messiah. And they killed him. You just can't get more contrary to God than that. I'm going to send you a Savior. We don't want to be saved. If that's salvation, we don't want it. And we don't want him around reminding us about it. And the fifth chapter of Matthew, the 18th verse, 17th verse, says, Hitherto the Father worketh, and I work. And they were already upset with him because he had healed on the Sabbath. It was his third miracle, it was the Pool of Bethesda. And when they found out who it was and began to interact with him, he said not only were the Jews upset with him because he violated the Sabbath, but because he made himself equal to God. I don't know if there's a more ridiculous statement in the book than that. You know, if you think about it. If you're not God, how would you make yourself equal to God? I mean, they never should have accused him of that. That's not possible for something to make themselves God. You either are, you aren't. And what isn't, doesn't make itself that because he's the source of whatever he becomes, right? He's the creator. And you see the, the opening of God in his describing himself to mankind. And through the prophet he said, do you not know that your maker is your husband? That the one who created you, created you and then betrothed himself to you. That he has fully invested himself so that being created was barely a beginning of experiencing his intention. So he went on with Abraham and he said, I'm your shield. And Abraham had some sense of protection and provision. And then he said, I'm your exceedingly great reward. And that's where the circuits just popped. Because Abraham said, you know, I don't, Have a son. What's that got to do with what God just said? If he gives himself to you, you don't have to worry about who's gonna inherit your stuff because you're not gonna die either. Don't need a storage unit. (coughs) These things that we we know are scriptural, they're, they're written to define the intention of the one who created you. The intention that is evidence that it was God who created brings so much more than just the existence that showed up when he created, right? Because the creation wasn't his end game. The creation was the beginning of his purpose. And if he did that, he did it to bring it to fruition, to completion. You know, I've been saying recently that God has a covenant with this natural world. It's the only reason that it's still here. God is upholding this natural existence for it to have continuity, to be maintained. You you can hear it echo in some of the expressions that he made to mankind, he said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, while the earth remaineth, every seed bringing forth after its own kind. So there was a procreative capacity built into what he created, so that it had enduring characteristics. And it was a type and shadow of the enduring characteristic of the extension of God when we were birthed of the spirit and became a new creation. That there is a continuity built into that new creation that although maybe our initial context for this and the perceived benefit is that our sins were forgiven, not an insignificant thing. But the continuity of that, isn't just that they were forgiven, now go and and be good. God didn't expect that. And so you see other testimonies of this covenant that is expressed toward us in the provision of God, where it says, if you sin and confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When? I guess the trigger point is when you sin, own it, and confess. Because if being born again meant I had to live without sin, personally, my confession is I have no hope. Uh, And then, as things progressed in my spiritual migration, somebody told me, well, if you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have power to live without sin. So I either found that wasn't true or I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. Can't have it both ways. And these things are designed to be proven as true in me. This has to work. And it has to work in you. And so our search for (coughs) substance, our search for traction with a God who's not seen. Galatians 4, read a little bit. Really familiar scripture. I hope we all recognize that being quickened by the Holy Spirit initiates a totally new me. It's not a refurbishing of what was. It's not an education to develop any a residual benefit of natural. And that's why Paul said, if any man be in Christ, that man is a new creation. And he delineated further in other areas of scripture, First Corinthians 15, that there are two men there's a natural man, there's a spiritual man. What came first was a natural man. I think that was true in your experience, yes? Now I say that the one who inherits all while a child doesn't appear any different than if he wasn't the heir of all. And for a season determined by God, he's under instruction that comes from outside of it. Paul referred in another place to this thing in his own life. He said, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. This did not happen on the road to Damascus. God did not reveal Christ in Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul was made blind by a light that was so exceeding. And he said, who are you? There was no resonance from what was in him. It happened to him. And at a later time, Paul recognized that there was something tied to this that went back beyond what he even knew, what he encountered of God beginning to harvest Saul to his purpose. And it went back and he said, I was actually set aside for God's purpose while I was yet in my mother's womb. (laughs) That the organizational aspect of, of God is so thorough and so particularly attuned to me that there are things that I recognize he established in order to be able to harvest me to his purpose. You get that, you pick it up in Romans, the 8th chapter, when there's a recording of the progression of God's dealing with the soul of man. And he said, whom he foreknew, he predestinated. And who he predestinated, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified glorified. You know I I didn't know about those five ingredients and I didn't have any sense of tension or accountability until I heard him call me. But if you take Paul's accord and record as having value, there were things that were going on before I heard him because he hadn't called He was busy foreknowing and predestinating what he hadn't called yet. God's been working on our behalf outside of the limitations of our perception. And that's what he wants to anchor our faith in. I was sitting this morning And I thought, I don't know who's preaching this morning, but if they don't mention mercy, they're going to miss it. (laughs) There you have it. I just checked the box. (laughs) The faithfulness of God tied to mercy. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) What What an amazing construct. His faithfulness. You know, the faithfulness of the earth is tied to your performance. Uh, You know, I don't know, if you don't believe me, get a job. Show up late, don't do your work. God's faithfulness is tied to his covenant. His intention toward me. And it's funded by what is eternal and has shown its power. Am I missing something? No, no, no. Okay. I didn't know. I watched the gong show, you know. You hear the gong, you want to go before the hook comes. <laughs> There is an impossible circumstance that God invaded with himself. And that impossible circumstance was that I would manifest in my mortal body his life. And we have at least 6,000 years of recorded history And that has never happened except one time. That there was a body that walked on this planet that was no longer limited by nature. 40 days, that's it. So the probability of this happening just drops off a cliff. You guys know David? So he's, he would, I don't know what you think he does when he's not here, but I'm mean, uh, So we were in this building called The Gathering Place down at Bowens Mill and David stood up And he said, I got really good news for you. This is not difficult. (laughs) I know you wait for the other shoe. (laughs) You find out it's a hobnail boot. He said, it's impossible. My expectation that impossibility is going to be sourced out of me making myself like God. I mean, this is why the the statement that the Jews made, that they got angrier with him, not just because he broke the Sabbath, but because he was making himself equal to God. Why didn't they just let him wear himself out? You know, you don't have to resist bad doctrine. You know? I had somebody say, I don't agree with the thing you just said. I said, good, go do it your way. And when you get there, come back and help me because I'm floundering. Somebody finish this thing. Because then everybody gets an assist out of that, right? That which isn't apparent becomes obvious. There's no more contestation over anything. Because the gospel changes from this is the truth to I'm the truth. I mean, at some point, and I don't know, I'm not, but at some point, the 12 that were with him had seen miracles, they were on a boat, they were fishermen, they were used to being on a boat, I'm sure there were storms before this day, and they got scared for their lives. That's what it says, they were sorely afraid. What was he doing? Where? It said in the bottom of the boat, he was asleep. They were watching the storm. This is not good. It, they did not wake him because they were worried he might drown first. Which if, you know, at the bottom of the water, <laughs> No, No, they, they weren't concerned for him Disciples, you got to watch them.
2: <laughs>
1: he woke them up to save themselves. And he did. Do you remember what they said? They said, what manner of man is this? It, it, did it take that much for it to get there? This is a different man. This is a new, this is a different, it looks the same, but it's not the same. It's different. This is our calling. This is the reason that we were born again. This is the reason that there was a covenant that God has fully funded, not with stuff. That would be a contract. You know, the picture, the story of the difference between covenant and contract is a story that we call the prodigal. The son got half of what his father had, blew it, came back and got the father, a success story. Because he went from a contract to a covenant. The true riches weren't what the father had, the true riches were the father. Why? Because you're not going to make yourself anything. We've been given a little strength.
2: That's
1: what it says in Revelation. For thou hast a little strength, and we're counseled to use it wisely. And we have examples of what it took to come to wisdom. Samson came to wisdom to use the strength that he had for God's purpose. Cost him his eyes. But see, that was him signing the contract. God doesn't sign by circumcision. We sign by circumcision. He signs because there's no need for him to be shaped or influenced or, you know, he doesn't need, he changes not. Circumcision is of the heart. It's without hands. And so this is something that Only God can do. I I can't sign this contract. Have you ever been in a situation? I've been there several times. When it comes up, I, I thought I should develop a shorthand. You know? You knew you could just reference it by number because you've already said it to God and He knew it before you said it and if it had any value, He probably sourced what you said. But I can remember sitting down to bargain with God one time and I realized I don't have any chips. (laughs) (coughs) So I said, you know, I'm, I'm not here to bargain because I'm not a bargain, I'm a need. And he's like, oh, this is getting good. Now he's getting ready to receive the contract that I've extended to him instead of setting it aside. You know, you have, have you ever done that? God's like, look, I'm fully funding this. I'm the resource by which this is gonna be accomplished. Yeah, yeah, I know I got this. <laughs> Because I walk up to the job site, the one you know, that's described in the scripture says, except God build the house, it's not gonna happen. And I took my tool belt out of the truck and I walked over and I said, what do you need? He said, I need you to sit. No, no, really, I'm, I'm, I wanna help. Sit. I mean, I could sweep the floor, I could carry some lumber over. You know, we're slow. We're really slow. All this not of faith, John, is sin. How about confessing that one? But out of this uh, approach of having been birthed is something that we're unaware of, into a kingdom that we don't know how it functions. You know, Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus and he told him about it. He said, If you don't get born again, you can't see or enter the kingdom of God. But just entering into the kingdom of God doesn't mean that you're a functional citizen. This kingdom is a different kingdom, it operates based on different laws and it It functions in a totally different way to a completely different end. Moses bumped into this on a mountain. And he said, look, there's a grace in my life. I mean, that's in the running for one of the most uh, understated statements of history. i found grace in your eyes. His life was preserved as a baby. His, his basket of bulrushes bumped into Pharaoh's daughter's, you know, that's just the beginning. And then there was this little thing, leprosy, clinging leprosy. 10 plagues, the Red Sea opened, manna fell, water gushed, the rock actually Followed him like a puppy dog. I found grace in your eyes. Good, but better, right? That this begins to hit attraction, that if you don't show me your ways, if I don't get where I'm beginning to be acclimated to the means by which you are intending to perfect what you birthed in me to bring to maturity so that it can be manifested. So in uh, Luke, there's a scripture that is um, arresting to me. I feel like I'm missing half of this service. The 20th chapter, Luke. I don't want the whole verse is too much. And I would, I'd like to take the last phrase of the 36th verse and then go back up to 35. Do, do we realize that we fit this category that we're children of the resurrection? And, and not just that we were born again because he rose Again, from the grave. Although that, that's true. It's more than that. It's that when we were quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, we were brought into a different life than we had before we were quickened. That's resurrection. Because resurrection, being raised from the dead and resurrection are not the same thing. Lazarus was raised from the dead and he got the life back that he lost when he died. This is not that. This is bringing a new creation into being out of something that wasn't that before it got raised. And then learning to live as a new creation so that being freely justified by his grace that we should learn to live by faith for the just shall live. By faith. Christ as a life. Christ is the new creation life. right? And Christ doesn't live successfully out of his own resources. That's the natural way of things. You succeed or fail based on what you got and what you're willing to do and how you're willing to be, and organized, and work ethic, and all those things, but it's in you to do or not. This is not that. It's not there. And whatever it may seem to be won't get the job done. And that's a big part of the lesson that God is seeking to get across to us so that we can grow up. Jesus said, I live by the Father of myself, out of my resources. I cannot be successful with what I'm called to accomplish. And the picture in the Gethsemane gives full testimony to that. He said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. And he went, and if he had not been supported by angelic resource that was outside of himself, he could not have lived long enough to hang on the tree to die. So it wasn't empty words, And this isn't Adam saying of myself, I can't do this. This is Christ saying of myself, I can't do this. So learning to live by faith is learning to lay your life down. And Jesus said it this way. He said, except you hate your life in this world. You can't follow me. You can't go where I have been purposed to be a forerunner. You can't after run me. You can't walk, you can't come to where I've come to until you get separated, circumcised from your own strength, from your own understanding. And there's no greater expression of the life of God. And I'm not talking manifestation, I'm talking expression, you know. You can express something and there not be a manifestation of it. But there's no greater inner working than that a man lays life down for his friend. You don't lay your life down to your friend. You lay your life down to God for the benefit of the furtherance of his purpose in the earth, right? Please, can we just, when we look at the world and its events and what's going on, not only mankind's inhospitability to adversarial aggression toward each other, but just also just the natural processes thing. This world is coming apart at the seams. and some must finish. Mm -hmm. I told a friend of mine about six years ago or so, he said, you know, I've always felt a tension for this. Since I first heard there was something in me that resonated with this message. And frankly, based on my experience, I don't know if I'm gonna be part of that company or not that I have residence for. Because it's not out of me to do this. So there's that, you know. Now if you take away the time element, so I'll make a certification to you, if you're born again and you can set aside time, you will receive a glorified body. Because God doesn't start something he's not gonna finish. It may not be in this lifetime. It may not be in this age, but it's guaranteed. Because he invested himself toward you when he began. And it's fully funded, there's no lack. That which uh, is impossible takes omni to solve. But if you put omni to force with what's impossible, it's impossible is not an obstruction. Omnipotence doesn't notice impossible is difficult. So in my pursuit of things, I've come to this and I've taken great consolation in what I want to say. Because Jesus addressed this, and he said, as my disciples, when you're weary, because you've tried, and it's not working, and the burden that you carry is actually impossible and heavy, because you're still under some sense of tension for the promise of God, and you've tried to get it done, and it's not working, but you still feel the accounting to that. If you'll take on you the same accountability that I have on me, if you'll get yoked, joined for benefit, then you'll recognize what I truly am. For I am meek and lowly in spirit. And when you get there, you'll find a flourishing of omni and you'll find rest for the pursuit and finishing. So I want to take this word easy, and then I'm going to sit down. Um, There's six other times in Scripture besides Matthew 11 where it says, my yoke is easy, that word easy is a Hebrew word. No, it's Greek. Why did you say that? But there's six other places that this word is used. And here's how it's translated in each of those places. It's translated as better, it's translated as kind, it's translated as goodness, it's translated as good, it's translated as kind, and it's translated as gracious. It's the only place that they chose the word easy. I wanna tell you something. You get yoke. it doesn't make it easy but it does make it possible. Better, Better. yeah. (coughs) uh, uh, Concordance says uh, that it's employed for benefit. Oh, I wanted to get back to the 35th verse, right? Somebody, I guess somebody did. They that are counted worthy to obtain. That word obtain, it's not attain, it's obtain. And the thing about obtaining is that it brings it as something that is brought out of what isn't into what now is. Okay, so I wanna clear that up because we're called to live in this age by the authority of a different kingdom. Hebrews says it was not unto angels that he subjected the power of the world to come. We're called to come under the power of what isn't governing this age in order to bring that manifestation of that age into this age. That's what obtaining means. To lay hold of something, let it function, it becomes part of you, and then you bring that with you. God is not gonna flash out of the sky and solve this problem. Some must finish in order to bring the next stage to this earth. Salvation is of the Lord, but it's by man. Not Adam and not baby Christ, but a fully mature son having completed his course and learning to live by faith Something I've been
3: thinking about that um, I was thinking, John, while you're talking about the covenant and uh, God's fully invested. Um, I I think, uh, if you think about it for a minute, that's a very frightening thing sometimes, how committed God is to his purpose. And um, I think all of us are in the process I was having a conversation with my son because he said, Dad, I don't know, my experience with God is, not that I've run after him, but that he's tracked me down. And um, we, we talk a lot about a, a willing offering and, and obviously the covenant is predicated upon both parties being vested in the, in the purpose of, of what's there. But you and I, nobody here starts out willing. And um, I know we sing, well I don't know if we do, I, at least you used to sing in church. I've decided to follow Jesus. And it, that wasn't Paul's decision on the road to Damascus, was it? No. That was a full on interruption. God decided to track down Paul Saul at the time. And the truth is, that's how we start. And then we begin this journey, as John has said. But there's a line I just read in Exodus 35. It said, whom the people that offered for the particular task there, whom his spirit had made willing. And I thought, that's exactly what's going on. I used to on a very low level, as a nasty father, <coughs> used to make all three of my girls drink that green powder mixed with grape juice, and I can't fully remember if I made them put yogurt in it to make it nice. Yeah, they they remember, um, and I don't know even when I stopped doing that. It might have been last week. I don't know. <laughs> Hannah will know, you can ask any of the other three. Um, the rationale was that they didn't know yet what was really beneficial to their health. That's why I loved what John read at the end. That's why I wanted him to repeat it. Because it takes a while for us to get out of our dullness and stupor and wake up to what actually is of the greatest benefit that we could ever run into. And that's what predicates willingness. That's what predicates John 21, where you stretch out your hands. And that's what his spirit is doing, bringing us to that condition. So thank you, John. Yeah.